so uh, we started off this you know, sermon series is what we called them last week and the series is called Get Useful. And it's based conceptually in this text that comes out of a letter from a guy named Paul, an early church leader, to a guy named Timothy, a guy that he was mentoring. And in, in, in that text that we kind of took this thing, Paul says, make yourself a, a vessel, a worthy vessel for the gospel of God. You know, and, and the way we would say that at E3 is like, make yourself a worthy vessel for the announcement that God has a plan for the world and it involves renewal and restoration and redemption. And Paul is talking to this guy, Timothy, and he says, look, um, there, there are multiple kinds of vessels in a house. There are, and the, and the word, the Greek word really just means like bowl, right? And so Paul says, make yourself into a vessel that is worthy of, of the good news being poured into it. And, and, and what I uh, kind of took from that is we have tools in our lives that affect our ability to be a good vessel for the gospel. And last week, we introduced the topic by saying, like, money is a tool that we have, resources. And when we get sideways with money, it affects our ability to, to be good news to the world. And, and metaphorically, our, our bowl gets cracked, and it might get a, a hole in it. So uh, the gospel sort of leaks out. And Paul says, look, this good news announcement is important, and God is relying on you and you and me. And so he says, get your life arranged in such a way that the gospel can reside in it and you can like show this kingdom life to people. And last week, as I said, we looked at money. And last week, um, we, we, we got introduced to Clifford, the money dog. And we talked about how in our, a lot of our lives, money is like an unruly puppy. And every time we turn our back, money kind of runs around and destroys our house. And a lot of us have been uh, going through that multiple times for years and years and years. But uh, I believe that God has literally given us the, the authority and the power to actually make money behave. You know, it might seem like a tall task and it might seem like it's just money's destiny to chew up the leg of your couch every time you turn around. But actually, Money can behave if you adjust your life. And what we're going to do this week is we're going to take Clifford from being the money dog, and now Clifford is going to be the time dog. Because time is another tool that God has given us to make ourselves into great, effective vessels for the gospel. But just like money, a lot of us let Clifford, the time dog, just kind of run rampant over our lives. So in the same way that we have to say, money, you have to behave, this week we're just adopting a new target. Look, how do you make your time behave? And to the extent that you can make your time behave, it is going to affect your ability and it's going to increase your effectiveness of being a, a bowl, a, a holding tank for the gospel of the good news, that God has a redemptive, hopeful, love-filled plan for the world, and you're a part of it. So uh, I want to kind of tell you right off the bat, this is a really personal topic for me, because I really struggled to make my time behave, especially through most of my 20s. You know, 
you know, when you're in school, you get told, look, be at this class at this time. College, be at this time, this class at this time. And if you choose not to go, that's on you. But anyway, you, your time is largely determined for you. But when I graduated, and I did have a job, and, and I did that thing. But after the job, it's kind of like, well, what do I want to do with my time? I don't know. And so the way I described my 20s and the way I dealt with or struggled to deal with time, I have to, I've used this for years, and it always made sense to me. I don't know if it'll make sense to you, but I just want to kind of demonstrate it. So look, think about this container as like this is your life. You know, this is the, the breadth of your life. And this uh, big rock represents anything you want to do in your life, anything you want to move, anything that you want to affect change in. And some of these things are challenges that come against you. You gotta deal with those challenges. Some of them are just, look, I wanna, I don't know, go to grad school, I wanna see this happen in my life. Anything that you want to move, that's what the rock is, all right? So when I was in my 20s, I always just tell people, and when I talk about this stuff with my friends, that um, I just use the phrase, and. I don't mean to be like gross or anything, but I just say, hey, look, I just vomited my time out in my life. Vomited my time, just no structure. Came home from work and just did whatever felt natural to do, you know, eat or watch TV or whatever. And I, and I structured my time actually with no structure. And I don't know how much you know about the power of water and, and rocks, and, but uh, when you just kind of pour water against stone, naturally. If you were to look up here, you see that the water kind of flows over the stone. The stone is not moved. And the water just kind of sits there. And the stone just sits there. And that was my 20s. Now, I had a life. I had things I wanted to do. I had dreams, just like a lot of you guys do. But because I just kind of took just whatever approach to my time, those things never moved. Now, get it, I get the metaphor, and actually, if, if I poured enough water over this stone over thousands of years, okay, it would move. But you know what makes water really effective? Intensity and focus. So, um, because the, you, the, the internet and YouTube are such wonderful places, I wanna show you guys what intensity and structure does when you put water through it and then you put a structure in front of this water. There is literally a YouTube channel that is devoted to nothing else but carving things up with water. So watch this video and I'm just gonna talk about it. That's an anvil, solid steel anvil versus water at like 60,000 PSI. Focus and intensity, and all of a sudden, the same thing that I poured out here can carve up a solid steel anvil in about 30 minutes. How long would you work on that with a hacksaw? Yeah, exactly. The same thing that I just poured out on my life and saw no movement on this rock and this thing that I wanted to do, if it had focus and intensity, how long do you think this rock is going to stand up against the same thing. You guys can stop playing that. I'm losing their attention. It's just an anvil, folks. Focus and intensity. That's all that needed to change. 
my time was still that, but, but if you change your approach of just saying, well, you know, time is just a thing, not much is going to move in your life. And I can only assume that you have some dreams. I can only assume you have some desires. Imagine what your life would look like if your time had focus and intensity and structure behind it. Because that's what I had to learn. That's what I had to learn. So um, real quick, uh, we, we started off with, with uh, Psalm 90. And I love the way Psalm 90 ends with literally the writer saying, God, teach me to know the end of my days so that I can have a wise heart. Teach me to know the end of my days. You know, everybody here has an expiration date on them. And the writer here says, look, help me think about that so I can get some clarity and wisdom. And this type of thinking is actually pretty common in the Bible. A couple of other passages, John 9, Jesus is talking about his disciples. Lori preached on this a few weeks back. While it's daytime, Jesus says, we must do the works of him who sent me. And he says, night's coming. Night's coming when no one can work. So Jesus says, look, there is a limit and a focus to our time. And while you're here, you better make some decisions to do the work that God has sent you to do. And then uh, Paul, the guy who gave us our base scripture uh, in 2 Timothy, Paul writes this to the church in Corinth. I love this. He says, don't you know that all the runners in the stadium, it's an athletic image. Don't you know that all the runners in the stadium run, but only one gets the prize. So run to what? Win. He says, someone, everyone who competes practices self-discipline in everything. The runners do this to get a crown of leaves that shrivel up and die. But Paul says, we do it to receive a crown that never dies. And he goes on and wraps it up this way. I love this. So now this is how I run. Not without a clear goal in sight. I fight like a boxer in the ring, not like someone who is shadow boxing. Rather, I'm landing punches on my own body and subduing it like a slave. Let me be clear here. Paul's not like just talking about literally beating himself up or, or, or only disciplining his, disciplining his body in a physical way. He's talking about his life. He's saying, I'm looking at my life and I'm landing punches on my life and structuring it and subduing it. In other words, I would say, Paul's saying, I'm making my time dog behave. I'm making Clifford the life dog behave. I'm subduing my life. And then he says, I do this to be sure that I myself won't be disqualified after preaching to others. Here's the way I would sum it up. If you read the Bible sometime, the whole thing, what you will find is it is full of people with a profound sense of purpose. Profound sense of purpose. They know what they're about. And they know, therefore, how to spend and structure their time. So uh, what I want to do here is, is kind of what we did last week with money. And I want to I take a few minutes to just give you some really practical things here. And you guys have heard me say this before. This is not like uh, self-improvement. If salvation is a life, then the way you spend your time says an awful lot about what you think about salvation and God. If your time is out of control 
and you never move anything in your life, that says something about what you actually believe about God. And I had to learn this the hard way. Rocks don't tend to move in and of themselves. They have to be pushed. So uh, when I get practical on this stuff, this is not self-improvement. This is mission training. And so uh, to be clear, I cannot tell you everything you need to know about managing your time and making your time dog behave, but I can get you started today. And then you have to take this and run with it a little bit because this stuff takes a lot of time to, to flesh out for how it works in your life. But I'm gonna give you some things that I have done and I didn't make any of this up. I took it from just some wisdom that was out there. So um, here's the way we start. Before you can make a choice on, on your actual time, you have got to get clear about some things in your life. And the first thing you have to be clear on is, why are you here? Why do you exist? What is your mission? You know, I just said, we are made for mission. And collectively, God's people, meant to be the light of the world, meant to be the salt of the earth. But we also have an individual, unique mission. And yours is not mine, and mine is not yours. And you have to find out what yours is. Your purpose. Why do you exist? And here's a clue. Everybody has a reason to exist. You may not know it yet. And you may be kind of walking under a cloud that says, man, I don't know if I matter. Guess what? You do. Every single person in this room in God's kingdom matters critically. And you have a purpose and a mission. And the other way to put it is you have a why. Why do you get out of bed in the morning besides the annoying alarm clock on your iPhone or whatever? What gets you out of bed? You better have a white hot why. So this takes time to develop. And I just want to share with you guys, if you haven't heard this from me before, a lot of you have, Here's my mission. Here's my why. I write this down. I revisit it. I finesse the language. My purpose, Eric's purpose, is to holistically heal and grow towards spiritual and emotional maturity. It starts with my connection to God and my health. Holistically heal and grow towards spiritual and emotional maturity. And along the way, I create things. I write songs, I play music, I preach, I do things that, that excite me. I create things and facilitate environments so that I can invite people into the same journey I'm on. That's my why. That's why I get up long before sunrise on Sunday. That's why I'm here. If, I, if this was not my mission, I wouldn't be here talking to you. I work to wake people up to the wonder of God in their lives. That phrase has been with me for a, a long time. I work, and I love that phrase. Guess what? For you younger folks, work is good. I love work because it's connected to my why. I work to wake people up to the wonder of God in your lives. God is in your life right now. You just have to wake up to it. He wants to show you wonderful things. And I get my butt out of bed every day to try to do this. So what is yours? Don't steal mine. It's not copywritten, but it's mine. It will take you time. But just start figuring out, what am I passionate about? What do I, just, what do, I do? 
What, is, what do I see people saying, man, you are really good at this thing. That might start pointing you the way towards your mission. After my mission, uh, I personally have to get clear on something called my roles. My roles. And I love this because this reminds me that life isn't all about me. This answers the question, to whom or what are you obligated? You see, my mission isn't just about me getting my life right. There are people in my life that I owe things to, my roles. To whom or what am I obligated? Well, I'm obligated to a few people. First off, my role is as a disciple of Jesus. That's my first role. Second, husband, father. I'm a son. I'm a brother. I'm a pastor. I'm an employee of the church. I'm a friend. I'm also a musician. I'm a band leader. I do all these things. These roles remind me that other people need things from me, and my life is not always my own, okay? So what are your roles? And as we start to develop these, this clarity, what you're basically doing is trying to figure out how to structure my life, which really involves saying yes to some things and no to other things. And I stumbled across an article uh, a couple weeks ago that was written by a, a nurse in the United Kingdom, and she wrote this article. You can actually just Google it if you want. It's called Regrets of the Dying. She spends time, her career, her calling is spent with people who you said, God, teach, show me the end of my days. She, she spends her life with people whose end is approaching fast. And she said, look, I've had hundreds of conversations with people who are dying. And she said, here's what they all say are their biggest regrets. First regret. I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself and not what other people expected of me. They said yes to things they shouldn't have said yes to and no to things they shouldn't have said no to. Second regret, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. There are roles in our life. People, like my kids don't really care how hard I work at church. My kids need me to be, my, need me to be dad. Some of us need to say, you know what? I've worked enough this week. I have a different role that needs me to say yes to it. Third regret, I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. This gets at my mission to pursue emotional maturity. Fourth, I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. Some of us forget that we have a role to be a friend to people. Fifth, I wish that I'd let myself be happier. All of these things involve structuring your life and saying yes to certain things and no to other things. And you can't get that clarity unless you just start saying, what's my mission? What are the roles in my life? And then from there, you start to develop what I would just call goals. Ask yourself, based on my mission and based on the roles in my life, what do I want to do? What kind of person do I want to be? And again, these things should be connected to these other things above them, mission and roles. Well, what kind of person do I want to be? Well, I want to be a good father. Well, you, you should have a goal that says something like that. You know, for me, I'm a musician sometimes. You know, I want to do this as a musician because it's, it's part of who I am. 
and I want to follow Jesus. And, and Jesus says, I can be more loving and I can be more compassionate. So what do I want to be? I want to be like Jesus. I want to be more loving and more compassionate. Compassionate. So you start to develop goals based on these types of questions. And then from there, like this is just like really, it's, it's this simple and in a way it's this dry, but it's so profound and important. You start to develop projects. What is going to lead me towards this goal? What's going to lead me towards the goal of being more loving and compassionate? Well, I need to start doing this in my life. And, and it's a short-term project to reach a long-term goal. And when you start a project, two of the most important questions you can ask yourself, what does success look like? How will I know if I hit the mark? How will I know if I'm done with this project? You know, some people have just started Financial Peace University here. One of the first projects that you'll, yeah, woohoo, exactly. One of the first projects and goals they'll encounter is to say, can you save up an emergency fund that gives you one month's worth of expenses? You're Success looks like one month's worth of expenses in your, in your life. And you know, I'm done. And then you ask yourself, this is really key for me. What's the next physical action I take towards that goal? Because if you're human like me, and I think most of you are, you'll set a goal. And you might even have a project. I want to be a more loving father. And then we go, ah, that's a great goal. What do you need to do physically to actually make that happen and to move that ball down the court? Maybe you need to pick up the phone and call a child that's away at college. Maybe you need to put your stuff away at work and come home. What's the next physical action that gets you closer to the completion of that project? And that brings us all to the rubber meeting the road and you start making choices about your life the things that you want to see happen. And what you, what you want to pursue is something that I would just call alignment. And you would look at your mission, your roles, your goals, your projects, and the choices, and you would say all these things are lining up. Everything is flowing in to the big purpose of my life. And what is not aligning with the big purpose of my life, I am willing to uh, sort of say, I don't need this in my life. I'm going to say yes to certain things and no to other things to bring structure. So I want to give you another helpful illustration for how then you really start to make this happen in your life. Um, this, uh, this is an illustration I've, I've, I've seen a couple times, but I want you to think about this as a week's worth of your time. A week's worth of your time. And a week for me is the most valuable way to look at my time. If I look at my time day to day, guess what? I'm always in crisis mode. I wake up and I'm already behind. Ah! But if I look at my life week to week, and so at the end of a week, I'll sit down and I'll go, okay, what do I want to do in the next seven days? What did last week go by? And so this container represents a week of time. And you have to start making choices because guess what? We all only have a limited amount of time. Am I right? Right. So how do you start making these choices? The, the illustration really hinges on the fact, and, and I'm, only gonna, I'm not going to do this part of it, 
But when you have a limited space container um, and they say, okay, how are you going to get all the things that you want to do into this container? A lot of us start off and we just go, if you don't watch this, you put all the, the small commitments in first. The things that don't align with your mission, your, your goals, and so on and so forth. And, and they get, this container gets filled up with small things. And then at the very last, you go, oh, I actually want to improve my, 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 my parenting. Or I want to do this big thing. And you start to put big things in at the end. And guess what? It doesn't fit. So the simple rule that I've learned over time is when you are planning and you're making your time behave, you put the big rocks in first. What are the things that matter most to you and align with your mission and your purpose in life? And this could be anything for you. For me, I don't move without connecting to God in the morning. This is my biggest big rock. And trust me, you do not want to know an Eric that's not connected to God. If I'm not, things will not go well for me or the people around me. So the first rock that goes in my week is my connection to God. This could be, hey, I want to work on my parenting. This is so important, big rock. What am I going to do with my family this week? Maybe I can connect with my wife, go out on a date. We haven't had good time together in, in a while. Maybe you have a, a, a big rock that's a ministry rock or a creative rock. You're an artist. I want to spend time painting because it's something I'm passionate about. That goes in first. Put it in your calendar. And then this thing, man, I want to kind of figure out how to maybe become a growth group leader at E3 or commit to a service team here. And the funny thing about time is that when you put the big rocks in first, and then you come along and you say, okay, there's other things in my life that aren't as important to me, but I got to get them done. Chores around the house. I got to fix this around the house. I got to get the oil changed in the car. And you notice that when you do this, the rocks actually flow around. The small rocks flow around the big rocks. And they settle. And then you take a look at the things that you really don't want to do in a week. The report that your boss wants, whatever. And then you say, okay, I got to do with these things too. They don't really align with my mission and my vision, but I'm going to do them anyway. And, and guess what? When you put the big rocks in, in your time first, everything else fits. But when you start with just willy-nilly and no structure, by the time you get to the things that matter in your life, guess what? Ain't no room for them anymore. And you try, you try, I try. Okay, oh man, I filled my life up with all these other things, but I'm still a dad. And so you try to grab some time and steal some time, but one of two things either happens. You either just don't get it done or you get it done, but your, your mind is halfway away while you're with the people that matter most. Put the big rocks in first. Great example of this real quick. Last week, my growth group, we looked at uh, our week and we decided that a big rock for us was going to go to something called Local Color, which is a Tallahassee organization that is uh, committed to advancing the dialogue across racial and ethnic boundaries. 
We said, man, this is going in our calendar. Are we all busy people? Yes. Look at our calendars sometime. We will show them to you. But we said, this matters. It's going in the calendar. And we took out two hours plus of our busy week and we put it in. And we sat with, with folks who looked different than us and we heard stories and we were challenged because it matters. It matters to my mission. It matters to my role in, in, in this world. It matters to my goals. I don't know what your goals are. I don't know where you're at with your life. But let me tell you, uh, until you get focus and intensity behind the way you spend your time, you will not move the big rocks of your life. They might nudge an inch. I want to tell you, you put intensity and structure and just like that stream of water against that anvil, you will move things faster and you will see things happen in your life. Let me just read these scriptures again that we started with. Psalm 90, prayer. God, you return people to dust. You're saying, go back, humans. Because in your perspective, a thousand years are like yesterday past. We think we're going to live forever. God knows better. Like a short period during the night watch, you sweep humans away like a dream, like grass that is renewed every morning. True, in the morning it thrives and it's renewed, but come the evening it withers and it's all dried up. Yes, all of our days slip away because of your fury. We finish our years with a whimper. We live at best to be 70 years old, maybe 80 if we're strong, but their duration brings hard work and trouble because they go by so quickly. And then, oh my gosh, then, they, then we fly off. Teach us to number our days so we can have a wise heart. And this is not an isolated verse in the Bible. One of the books in the New Testament, a guy named James wrote a book and he quotes a guy named Isaiah. He says, hey, guess what? Human beings, we're like a mist. We're like a mist. Teach us to number our days. We all have an expiration date. I have one. I have an expiration date. I don't know what it is. God does. None of us is gonna, are gonna live forever on this earth. We have one life on this planet. The mortality rate, my favorite saying, mortality rate still hovering right about 100%. This should not cause anxiety for you. It should cause you to focus because it's not gonna come around again. Get clear on your mission. Get clear on your purpose, on the roles of the people that need you. Get Get control of making Clifford the time dog behave because the world is waiting for people to become vessels of the gospel. They need you. They need you. Tomorrow is uh, Martin Luther King Day, and uh, we were kind of uh, preparing for this day. We, we actually came across this, this video of, of, of him uh, speaking on this very, very subject. And it just blew me away. And so we want to share it with you. It's just an excerpt from a speech. I think it's actually towards the end of his life. So uh, just watch this, and I'll make a couple more comments. Time. 
I'm sure you've heard this. This is the argument that only time can solve the problem of racial injustice. Only time can bring integration into being. Just be nice and just be patient and and wait 100 or 200 years and the problem will work itself out. I think that is an answer to that myth. And that is that time is neutral. It can be used either constructively or destructively. And I'm absolutely convinced that in so many instances, the forces of ill will in our nation, the extreme righties of our nation, have used time much more effectively than the forces of goodwill. And it may well be that we will have to repent in this generation, not merely for the vitriolic words and the violent actions of the bad people, but for the appalling silence and indifference of the good people who sit around and say, wait on time. Somewhere we must come to see that human progress never rolls in on the wheels of inevitability. It comes through the tireless efforts and the persistent work of dedicated individuals who are willing to be co-workers with God. And without this hard work, time itself becomes an ally of the primitive forces of social stagnation. And so it is necessary to help time and to realize that the time is always ripe to do right. With this faith, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the word the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. I wrote this down when I listened to that this, this morning. Human progress never rolls in on the wheels of inevitability. It comes through the tireless efforts of men and women being willing co-workers with God. The time is always right to do right. And he said it so much better than I was. The rock of racial injustice and inequality was not going to move on its own. He spent his life and focused his intensity and his efforts, and he moved the stone forward. And I don't know what your stone is. It can be something big out there. It can be an internal thing here. It can be something that is just coming around again and again in your life, and you're waiting to become a willing coworker with God so that God could say, look, we could cut through this stone if we work together. But if you're like me, and I'm not yelling at you. I'm yelling at me because sometimes I just need to remind myself to wake up. Look, the things in my life, they're not going to move themselves. I have to become a willing coworker with God. And to do that, I use my time. What goes in my box first? So, tomorrow, Martin Luther King Day. And I don't know what you got planned. I don't know if you're working or if you're not working. But I want to throw an idea out to, there to you. Now, we just got done spending ourselves, our time, in a lot of ways over Advent. I'm just going to throw this out there. If you have tomorrow off, maybe don't spend the day in your pajamas. 
know, I was, I was looking around this, this week, and I love this phrase I came across. It says, hey, MLK Day, maybe it's not a day off. Maybe it's a day on. So, you know, we're not going to point you guys and say, hey, go serve here, go serve there. Maybe you're connected to a service organization. You can just go. But if you can't, down at Cascades Park, there's something called Dare to Dream Festival. People are just celebrating his legacy in a variety of different ways. going to be music uh, and, and different, just different ways to just explore maybe a different culture than you're used to. But something that matters in our country and in our world and in the kingdom of God. Maybe go down there. If you do, that link right there, they're focusing on um, confronting diabetes, which is a significant uh, concern in the African-American community. And there's some simple things that they're taking donations for. Swing by Walgreens, go to that link. Swing by Walgreens, it's, it's not big stuff. Just go down there, man, make a contribution. Don't waste another day. Don't waste another day because I'm going to be morbid here, but you're not guaranteed another one. And seriously, I'm not being morbid, but I know I have lived a long enough life that I know people that thought they had a lot of tomorrows coming and they really didn't. I want to see movement in the big rocks of my life and in the big rocks of your life. Let's stand for closing prayer.